just finish, finishing up prayer. He's just finishing up prayer. And by the way, that's not the only time I pray during the day. And uh, I pray other times in the day. Uh, I just pray as I, I drive sometimes. I pray as I think. And, uh, you know, this is, not a, this is not a religious thing that you do. It's just some guidelines and help for you, to help you. I can't remember everything. I mean, some of you can remember everything maybe, but I don't remember. So it's good to put your name in front of me. That way I can pray for you. Okay? Chapter 11 of Luke, verse 1. And it came to pass as that he was praying in a certain place. In a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to them, Lord, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said unto them, and then he gives us the model prayer. When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it is in heaven, so in earth. Give us... Uh, day by day our daily bread I have a habit of knowing Matthew's record so I'll have to stumble through this one and give us and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil now that's the, a model prayer you, it's not to recite I don't, I don't criticize people that recite it at things, but that's not given. It's a, it's a model, basic structure of guidelines to praying. And then verse 5, and he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto them, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. He from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of the persistence, importunity, persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. You might paraphrase this by saying, this guy ain't never going away. I'm just going to get up and get him some bread to get him out of my life. That's basically what it means. And Jesus used that. And he said, I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asked a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he say, if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your father, your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give? the Holy Spirit to them that asked him. You know, I, I've always wondered why Jesus clothed, how much more 
it seems like off the subject, would he give the Holy Spirit to them to ask him? And I think the answer, I found it in study, uh, when God doesn't give you what you think you need, he gives you his spirit to comfort you and to help you and to guide you. Now, we need prayer warriors, don't we? We all need to be a prayer warrior. Uh, prayer is, a, is, is the power behind God's work and what God's doing. I say it's a very difficult Christian discipline is to maintain a, a, a constant, steady prayer life. We, we're, we can be inconsistent with it. Over in the book of Hebrews, uh, it, it gives us this, something I want to give you. Chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Now, we can come to God at any time. But we can come to God in a crisis, and we should. But we need to come to God in a convicting way, in a sense that we are in communication with him. I don't know if you've been here before, but I've been in a situation where I needed a favor from a friend. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, only time I ever call this guy is when I need something. You know what I'm saying? Isn't it better to keep in contact? And that way, you know, the chain, the line is open. And, uh, and that's true in our prayer life. We need to pray out of conviction ahead of time and then be ready to pray in the crisis because they do come up. But I believe the reason prayer is the most difficult part of the Christian life because it's the most important. It's, it's, a, it's, it's the main part of spiritual warfare in the spiritual world. Now, John the Baptist is known for being a great preacher of righteousness, and he? He's known for baptizing a bunch of people, but I, he apparently was a great uh, prayer warrior too because the disciples say, Lord, would you teach us how to pray like John taught his disciples how to pray? That's verse 11. So what are we doing? We could do better if we pray more. Luther, for example, used to pray three or four hours a day. Three or four hours a day. Wow. Three or four hours a day. And many other great Christians have testimonies that, that's been recorded about them praying long, long times during each day. Now, if we're not praying, is God working? And without God, it will fail. Uh, over in Luke chapter 18... Verse 1, it says this, 18.1. Uh, there is in a city, ooh, I skipped it. And he spake in, uh, this parable unto them to this end that men ought to always to pray and not faint. Men ought to always to pray and not faint. You know, some of us wait until we're out in the world before we realize that we've, turn the wrong direction or something. Why don't we start when we lack our prayer life? That's when we're slipping. Not after we're out there, but when we cease to have our prayer. Jesus prayed. The, the pattern that he gave us is every day. Went to a certain place, and a, Mark tells us, went to a certain place and prayed alone. And he did it before daylight. Now, you don't have to pray before daylight. Some of you people would never pray if you had to pray before daylight. 
I mean, put it on your schedule. You can pray in the morning. You can pray in the night. I, I'm not telling you what to do, but we need to pray. And, and we need to learn to pray. And Jesus said, pray lest you faint. And prayer is, is our time alone with God. It's where we get on our assignment from God. We get on the same page with God. You know, your, your spouse, you and your spouse, you have to get together and get on the right page. This is getting on the right page with God. And so in our, in our text, we have, first of all, as I said, the model prayer. Jesus went to a certain place. And notice he said, our Father, our Father. God is our Father, not a distant, faraway God. He is our Heavenly Father that loves us. He's a loving Heavenly Father. Now listen, he knows us, and he loves us anyway. Amen? And he knows all about us. You can't hide from him. Remember Adam, he tried to hide from God, and he couldn't hide from God, could he? He, he was hiding himself, but not hiding from God. But God loved him. He sought him, didn't he? God came to him. God loves us. Got to know that, first of all. He said, our Father, which art in heaven, worthy. Above all things. Beyond all things. Outside of the horns blowing and the, uh, and the smog. And he's above all those things. Above all things. He said, hallowed be thy name. He praises the name of God. And that's the model prayer. We, we need to be full of praise to God. And if you can't get there, you, you stay in that prayer closet until you can get there. Right? And so, uh, and let me say this while we're on this subject. It's a good time to mention it. Be careful how you speak the name of the Lord. Right? The, 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 you know, some, I, you hear it a lot. People use Jesus in a, you know, in a byword way. And, and some of us are more spiritual than that. Just say, Jesus. Uh, we need to get away from those things, right? Hallowed be thy name. Above all, worthy, honorable. We need, we need, you know, it's just a practical piece of instruction I want to share with you, but we need to treat the name of God as reverent as sacred with respect, admiration, God's name. It's a good name. It's a wonderful name. It's above all names. And Jesus Christ is not to be used in any uh, way of, of a swear. Prayer, though, we lift our prayers up and God's blessings come down. And you say, I don't see it. I'm, I'm reminded, I, I, I tell this story a lot, but... Uh, a friend of mine, they they moved away now. I won't tell her name. He came to me and he said, "Man, he was all stressed out and over the where they had to go to get up to their house. They just got in a, a another house and he was worried about the winter." Now God wants us to bring all of our needs to Him, even something that sounds like it's not important to everybody else. He he was so worried about about uh, not being able to get to his house that winter on bad days and uh, I, we, I said let's pray about it and so we, we prayed about it and went on about our business and guess what I found out next spring somehow or another he never, he never got stuck he had a four wheel drive jeep you know God answered the prayer and he didn't have a lot of money it wasn't, that wasn't the solution but God answers our prayer and we don't even realize it sometimes and, and we don't realize how he does it but he does it and we need to give him praise we need to give 
God prays. So the priority, notice in the text, if you go on through there, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What's James tell us about that? Somebody tell me. What, what's James tell us about God's will? When we pray, remember that? What did he say? He, he said, when we pray, we ought to always say, your will be done. Right? Your will be done. We ought to surrender to God being smarter than we are, being more wise than we are, being able to see the whole situation better than we do, and say, Lord, let, I'm praying this, Lord, but let your will be done. Now, I do believe there's examples. I'll just lead you to one. Hezekiah prayed for 15 extra years, right? He was going to die. He prayed for healing. God healed him. He lived 15 extra years. And it's the worst thing that ever happened to him. <laughs> the, the last 15 years of his life, uh, by the way, Manassas was born, which was... Uh, the the one who who uh, brought ch- children's sacrifice to uh, the, the Israel, he was born in that time, and and oh oh Hezekiah got got full of pride. We have that story. I'm gonna be preaching it someday soon on, on Sunday nights. But we we see how he got full of pride. Now he prayed he prayed one of the maybe the most effective prayer before that in the Bible. But then he prayed about that. God's will was that he die. God answered his prayer and gave him 15 more years. And we don't see the blessings of God on his life in those last 15. So we have an example that I believe would be an example of God answering your prayer out of his will. In a permissive form of God's will. You know, I, I don't know that to be true, but it looks that way. And so... To me, it serves as an example to teach us that we should always pray, God, not my will, but your will be done. And there's worse things that could happen to us than die if you're saved, right? Throw that in. So, <clears throat> thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We need to be praying about God's work in the kingdom, the church. The ministry of the gospel as we go out into the world to share Christ with the world. Now, verse 3, give us this day our daily bread. We pray about our, our, uh, our needs, right? We pray about our needs, provisions. Give us this day. Give us this day, he said, our daily bread. Now, I, I hope that you're not hand to mouth and praying that. You need to pray that while you got an abundance. Don't wait until you starve to death to pray that prayer. Pray it already. And so then he, he, our walk, he said, verse 4, and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Now, that's not talking about money that people owe you. It's not talking about that at all. That's a different thing. He talk, he's talking about people that, that do things against you. Forgive them <clears throat> as a Christian. God calls us to let things go, to forgive people, even without them asking our forgiveness. What good is it going to do to hold that grudge and that hatred 
towards that person. You know what it would do? Ephesians, Paul tells us, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, didn't it? It hinders our fellowship with God. How can we say we love God who we cannot see, John says, and hate our brother whom we do see? Isn't that real? So let's think about it. Who, who, do, we, who do we really have a grudge against in our life? Man, I, I guarantee you, there, there, if you're thinking with me today, there's people coming up. There's names coming up. Now, you need to get in your prayer closet. You need to work that out of your soul. That's a blemish in your soul. It's a wound. Now, a wound that is handled properly will heal. A wound that's handled improperly will fester. Yeah, leave, leave bigger scars too. We need to handle those wounds properly. You say, I, I can't do it. Well, Jesus taught us, and Paul taught us that his grace is sufficient for us to take care of that. Is there a problem that God can't handle in your life? No. He can handle. So in our prayer life is when we get in tune with the Lord and get on the same page with God, but we also get things worked out with other people. Now, if you're married, husband and wife, you need to, you need to fix your, your disagreements as soon as possible, or let it go. You know, however you fix them, get it out of the way. Don't bring it in. Don't bring it up. Get it done. Now, in verse 4, he talks about forgiveness from God. He talks about forgiveness of others. And then he talks about temptation. Delivers from temptation. So we got to take care of them. As a Christian, you, you're, you're going to have times that some, something's going to happen that, that you're, going to have, you're going to have a grudge or you're, you're going to have some bitterness or you're going to have some anger in your heart about it. It's going to happen. It happens all the time. You know, I, you know, I have things happen all the time, just a little things. I might act like, you know, I might be mad for a moment. It means, but I'm talking about there's big things that happens that, that wants to go on and wants to cling to our soul. The Bible teaches us, Jesus teaches us, to take care of it. Doesn't matter what it is, we need to work through it. And the question always comes up. You mean this forgiveness thing, preacher, are you saying that you have to forget it in the sense that you let them do it again? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that at all. Don't complicate the situation. That's an excuse to keep from dealing with it. Get it dealt with on your side. You don't have to... You know, if you've been in agreement with somebody and they cheated you, forgiving them don't mean that you get back into that agreement again. You know, that's not saying that. So that's the model prayer, the things that we need to practice in our prayer life. And then, then the Lord gives us a parable about prayer to teach us about how God wants to answer our prayers. And he, he talks about in verse 5, you go, you know, this guy going to his friend at midnight and says, lend me three loaves, please, don't come to my house. I'm about one stranger away from a gate in my yard anyway. <laughs> he says, come lend me three loaves. Some of you come up there now to just make me mad. But notice verse 5, he says, And he said to them, 
Which of you shall have a friend? Now listen, being a friend doesn't do him any good here. And shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is on a journey, is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Pretty lame situation, isn't it? It's a pretty lame situation. It reminds me of a prayer that we had a little lady used to come to church here. She's gone on to be with the Lord. And one night on our prayer nights, uh, she said, uh, Would y'all pray for my sister's friend's niece who has a cousin who is having a baby and they're having... I thought, Lord, God. I, I, you lost me. You lost me way back there. Next time, just tell me there's somebody out in New Jersey having a baby. Pray for them. <laughs> but, but Jesus is giving it this twisted, complicated situation to say, you know, that happens. How much more am I, the Lord? Right? Verse 6, he said, For a friend of mine is on a journey and come to me and have nothing. I have nothing to set before him. By the way, in that culture, in that Jewish culture, when someone did come to you at midnight, the whole they say the whole village would wake up and, and, and help that person. That's Jewish people. We're Gentiles. We're, we're not like that. Go home. Go home. We're about it tomorrow. And so, so he, it's talking about a need. He's talking about an inconvenient time. In the middle of midnight, it's midnight, verse 7, and he says, For he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut. My children are in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. That guy's normal, isn't he? Then he says in verse 8, For I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend. He, he said he won't get up and do it because he's your, he's your friend. He said, yet, he will do it because of your persistence. Importunity, persistence. And will rise and give him as many as he needs. You know, I'll be honest with you. If, if, I, had, if I had a dozen loaves of bread and you come to my house in the middle of the night when I'm sleeping, I'll just throw them all out the door. You get them. Go away. Sleep is important. So listen, the Lord... It's teaching us about prayer here, not about my habits. And and when you when you go to pray, though, you're going to the best friend you have. Amen. There's a friend that's closer than a brother. And are we friends with him? Yeah, are we friends with him? And so here he's saying here, this man will give this these loaves of bread because of just the wrong reason. I will do for you because I'm your heavenly father that never sleeps. I never have to rest. Right? Persistence. He's teaching persistence for us to pray. We should not only go to God during our emergencies. We should go to God out of conviction continually, praying to God. Now, let me ask you something. I would hate to... Hey, listen... I, I'm a, I'm, you know, I would hate to, I wouldn't have went to that guy at midnight unless I just had to. Anybody here with me? 
Because I'm sitting there thinking about what in the world would I be thinking? Why don't that guy manage his life better than that? Putting it off on me. I would hate it to do it. But you know what? God is always there. And you know, we, we may feel unworthy. And, and No, no, we will feel unworthy. How many of us, don't raise your hand, how many of us honestly have times in your life where you totally feel unworthy of the blessings that God has given you and, and to, to ask Him for it? Man, that's normal, to be unworthy. Now, look at verse 9. Notice what it says here. And this is, this is answering that unworthiness. He said, I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. So if you're unworthy, I think it's included here. You ask, uh, would you get me a glass of water? You ask, and, and you receive. Seek, it's a little farther away, a little farther away. You seek, right? You shall find. And then you're, you're maybe a stranger. Knock, knock, and the door will be opened. So what I'm saying here, ask, seek, and knock, I think it's teaching us here that you may feel like a complete stranger to God sometime. Knock, and the door shall be opened. God is inviting us to pray even when we feel isolated, away from God, separated from God. And you know, if we are separated from God because of sin, we know that we can confess our sins and He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Sometimes you feel like a stranger to God. It's a fact. I've told this before on Wednesday night. I go, when I get up in the morning, I, I get the coffee going. Then I walk into my prayer room, and numerous days, I don't want to go in there. I struggle with getting in there. Anybody have that problem about prayer? I, I feel so, you know, one day I feel worthy. I don't know why I feel that. I know I've been made worthy by the blood of Jesus. I know it. You know, I, I guess I'm just saying this to you because I'm the preacher and I don't feel like I'm worthy. And, and do we go by our feelings or do we go by faith? We must go by faith. And, and some days I, I don't want to go in there. Uh, somebody uh, needs me right then and sometimes I can't go. I have to go take care of a need. But most of the time, People's emergencies are pushed off on you, and they're really not emergencies. And so I try to go on and pray with conviction, trusting God to answer my prayer. Now, you can come to God in, in confidence when you have no feeling of confidence. It's not dependent upon you and me. It's dependent on the Holy Spirit. He's the one that brings our prayer to God and offers our prayer to God, and He lives within us, doesn't He? Now, God promises an answer. Look at the text, verse 10. He said, For every one that asks, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. Uh, to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. 
Now, does that mean you'll get everything you ask for the way you want it? No, that's not right. You, you really don't need that anyway. But we can take it to the Lord and with conviction leave it in His, in his hands and in His mind to trust Him. We can trust God to give us good gifts. And that's what He goes on to say here. Verse 11, He said, If a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will he give him a stone? So if you get stones, it's not God answering your prayers right or if he asked a fish will he give him a serpent you're getting serpents you're, you're not getting that's not god but the thing here he's trying to teach us is that we take it to the lord with conviction and trust him trust him. it doesn't mean we get everything we want when we want it how we want it sometimes we wait five minutes sometimes five years sometimes 50 I have seen people praying for people to be saved that has taken 25 years for that person to be saved. But God will not give us something inappropriate. He may disappoint you in that he doesn't answer it the way you want it. You know, when you're looking for Christmas to come, you don't always get what you want. Sometimes you get what you don't want only to discover later, I like it better than what I wanted. Sometimes it's not what you want, but it's what you need. And so, you know, a parent struggles with what to get their children, what to give their children, what to allow their children to do. A parent does, but our Heavenly Father doesn't. He knows our every need. And He answers our prayer according to His will. And He won't give us something that we don't need. And what we, you know... You know, you, uh, you, young, you young guys, you young guys that are single, you're praying for the most beautiful woman uh, in Bollinger County. I, I wouldn't pray that. I wouldn't. But nothing is impossible with God, fellas, even you. But that's not what you need. You need the person that God brings that can be compatible with you, right? And you don't need anything maybe right now. You need to wait. Wait, I say, on the Lord. God knows these things. So we can summarize God's answers to prayer is yes, no, wait, and I have a better idea. I got something better. Sometimes we pray and God has something better for us. So we trust Him. We trust Him. And we should always in our heart say, God, your will not my will be done. So those that ask, those that seek, those that knock, God will do the right thing. The whole story that Jesus is telling us is to move us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his son. So, okay, I'm teaching you to pray. So you say, I gave you the model. Jesus gave us the model, and now he's given us the instruction to be persistent to be persistent, to be trusting, to know that we can trust God. We shouldn't be afraid to ask God for anything, no matter how big it is, no matter how small it is. We should ask. Now notice verse 12. He said, Or if he asked an egg, will he give him a scorpion? No. God can do abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think, right? 
Call unto me, I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that you know not. You have a sickness? Pray. Pray first. You got a sick family member, sick friend? Pray. Injury? Pray. That's the first thing we should do. You know, instead of, uh, you know, if you're sick, pray as you go to the doctor before you go. The Father, He knows. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. And we can trust Him to do the right thing. Now, as I said, sometimes I feel so far away from God. But think about a soldier in a spiritual warfare, separated by war from home. That's where we are sometimes. We're separated because of the circumstances of this world, not because of our relationship with God. Now, sin will make you feel separated from God if you've got sin in your life. Over in Psalm 66, verse 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Okay, so here it is. Lord, This I'm going to do this. I know it's wrong. If we regard that, it says, God, would I hear me? Psalm 66, verse 18. That's where it is. And so what we need to do, we need to confess that thing is sin. God, this is sin. And 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's a promise from God. God's not evil. God is good. He'll not answer us in an evil way. He'll answer us in a good way. God knows what we want. God knows what we need. And he's told us to pray. And if God doesn't give us what we want, he's promised to give us the Holy Spirit, the comforter, to comfort us and to help us in the process of time to where we can understand and accept God's will. Over in 2 Corinthians, we won't turn there, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 to 10. Paul said, I, I, I got this problem. We don't know what the problem he had was. But 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 to 10. He said, I prayed about this three times. Are you with me? He said, I prayed about this three times for it to leave me. He said, it wouldn't leave. I prayed three times. I don't know if that was... I think it maybe was a Jewish principle to pray three times. I think it was something that was carried out in, in ritualistic form, not in Scripture. He said, I prayed three times, and, and it didn't go away. And then he goes over in the next verse. I think it's verse 10. He said, but I've discovered this, that God, you have given me the grace, and your grace is sufficient. God being close to you is better than an answer because that is the answer. God doesn't always deliver us from. He will take us through and he'll be with us though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now that's a little bit about prayer and I want to challenge you today. You don't have to do this, but take that prayer journal and nothing else. Pray for us in that book. Let's see God work in our lives this year. Let me close by saying this. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins. God loves us. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he said, if you'll believe in him and trust him, he'll become your savior, your Lord. And when you die, he'll take you to heaven. Are you ready to meet God in heaven? Are you prepared? I want you to be prepared to meet God in heaven. Susan, if you'll come and play for us softly, let's just do this this way. Let's all stand. I want us to bow our head as you play just as I am. How many would think about a commitment in your life today to make prayer a higher priority than it's ever been? Amen. I see hands up going up. Hands are going up. Amen. To make prayer a higher priority than we've ever made it. God bless you. Now today, I want to ask you this. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? If you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to come to this altar today and be saved. Would you come? Anyone? Anyone else need to come? If you need to be saved, would you come? If you need to be prepared to go to heaven, would you come? If you'd like, like for Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, would you come? Anyone else? Would you give your life to Christ today? Would you come? Greatest decision you'll ever make. Today is the day of salvation. Now is accepted time. Would you come now? All right, let's sing that out now. Let's sing this work, this song out one time at least. You step out of that aisle right now and come to Christ. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood, <coughs> excuse me, and that bids me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Let's sing one more verse. Someone said, I'd come, but they're going to quit. As I am, waiting not, and waiting not. Would you come to Christ right now? Rid my soul of one dark blot whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb. Of God I come. I come. All right. Let's have our ushers come. Receive our morning offering.